You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. I'd be listening to the mainstream media and just be left frustrated on how they covered these stories. They would completely ignore facts just to promote their own agenda. I said, man, I could do a better job than these fools. I should start my own show. So I did. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Freedom Strips. I'm your host, Keaton Tucker. And this episode, we are finally getting back the OG, the guy that started it with me, Justin. Justin, thank you for coming back on, brother. It's good to have you back. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, man, it's been a while. Got been having tons of things going on at work and home and stuff, but now I'm back. There you go. You got some uh, some schooling done as well, so that's pretty exciting stuff. God, I don't want to rehab. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. That stuff is uh, is brutal. Statistics, statistics, and probability was irony in itself because statistically, I wasn't going to pass it, but I did pass. So we're back <laughs> on track. We're good. Yeah, man, I had a really tough time with statistics as well. And that's that's like whenever you see statistics is so crazy, especially when you see it online, too, because people use statistics and arguments a lot. But the thing that I learned going through that class is statistics can be manipulated very easily. And so when you just see random numbers posted online, when someone's making an argument, it's like the first thing goes to my head is just like, okay, what did they change or what are they leaving out to get these numbers because this can be easily just misconstrued to prove your own point. The funniest part is most of the statistics that are probably put out there are actually just made up statistics. Right. Yeah. They don't even go through the <laughs> trouble of actually getting the real yeah. numbers. I'm going to tell you right now, having taken that statistics class, I would 100% would rather make up numbers at that point. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Going through and actually gathering the the accurate numbers would be more. I was I was trying to I was trying to like in my head to keep me motivated to take the class seriously. I was trying to like think about what can I use statistics for in everyday life? Like maybe I can come up with some cool like statistics to figure out how to save money or all this other stuff, but it was about the first chapter of reading and I was like, "You know what? I hate this. Yeah. I don't want this anymore." Yeah, so I it- did the on so I did the honorable thing, and I looked up a, a tutoring service, and I just sent them questions, and they helped me answer it because that's go. capitalism. Yeah, that's, that <laughs> that's works. right. That's a service, and you needed it, and they know yep. people need it. So, yep. yeah, that's Boom. just an overall a, a very difficult class, and I mean, you don't really—it's not really something that you use a ton in everyday life, but it is one of those things. Statistically speaking, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, I mean. In times you'll need it, but I don't know. It's just overall pretty frustrating, um, frustrating yeah, I remember, to get through. I remember taking that in high school, and I think that I'd rather take some kind of like financial class. Yeah, well, I think that that needs to be in, um, especially in just like general education. They need to prioritize like financial planning and and everything else in like high school, middle school, and they don't teach Fact. you anything. <laughs> Fact. You need. You need some kind of financial planning because 
people don't think about how much they spend like eating out and stuff like that. And I feel like if kids, if kids actually had like a better way of managing their finances at a younger age or even slowly like fed little by little financial advice that they do so much better when they hit 18 and their parents play like, well, you're on your own, buddy. Thanks. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and now these kids are going in, um, to colleges and they're getting these student loans that they have no idea how to pay back. And it's just like, if they knew any kind of financial planning or, or financial, to, to the ways to save money, how you build, build money and wealth from the ground up. And, um, they're, they're just getting into these horrible positions where they're just well, buried in debt. And now they're looking to government to bail them out. Well, I mean, I, I mean, that's what America has defined itself as is the American dream, man. You're supposed to finish high school and then go into a four year degree and hopefully pick a really good four year degree, get out, get married, do your thing, have kids, you know, buy sweet stuff. I mean, that's that's what everyone thinks it has to be. I'm with Mike Rowe on this. I think that you should have some type of ability to get out of school and do some kind of trade school and learn something that's applicable to something that you enjoy. You know, some people are just hands-on individuals, you know, so I think that they should have more pertinent stuff towards that and not just a four-year degree in dance therapy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're never paying back those school dance with or uh, school debts with dance therapy degrees. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, and I think that's what people go wrong and in determining how much money they're going to make, man. Everyone thinks that you have a four-year degree, you're automatically going to hit, you know, 70 to 80K a year, you know. I'm sorry to tell you, but it really, in all reality, is just a piece of paper. And, you it know, really it's, is. It's, and, yeah. I, and I'm not downplaying education. Education's a very important thing. I'm just saying that not everyone is cut out to do a four-year degree and then be in Thirty to sixty thousand dollars worth of debt, trying to pay it back. Some people do really well at a trade school, and it's something that they really enjoy doing, and they learn a lot. And it more pays a from, lot. Yeah, yeah. There's there's underwater welders and stuff like that that are getting thirty plus dollars an hour, and a yeah. lot of those guys really enjoy that stuff. Yeah, that was actually something I looked into for a little bit uh, a long time ago. Was underwater. Well, that's welding. because you had an infatuation with dolphins. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing creatures. <laughs> uh, anyway, to, to kind of get back on topic here, um, there there were a couple stories that when uh, when I was researching uh, that came first to mind. Um, first of them uh, was Justin Amash and his calling for the uh, for Trump impeachment, uh, which was pretty surprising. Um, and man, just when I when things were starting to simmer down about this, like Trump Russia. Mueller report nonsense. Um, last week, it was just the proverbial bucket of gasoline just dumped on the entire topic um, of this whole stupid story and really for no reason. Um, but now I have to cover it and talk about it even more and I hate it, but we're going to. Um, and of course, I am talking about the surprising announcement through Twitter that GOP Congressman Justin Amash openly called for Trump's impeachment. Um just on its face, I don't know how much you've read into it, Justin. I know I sent you the topics a little bit, but what, what are your what are your thoughts just on the surface level on this? Honestly, obviously, everything has a reason for it happening. You know, you you kind of have to figure out 
on your own and through research and stuff like that, like what would he have to gain out of this? Like what is the end game of right. him coming out of it? Yeah. And really, you know, face value without delving into it, if you look at his tweets and really what he's going at, I I, I really don't understand where exactly he's going with it. I don't know if he's trying to pad his own votes because he's thinking of running for president. I don't know if he's trying to show people that he has a large pair of testicles by saying like, hey, look, I'm a Republican and I'm going to stand up and I say, yeah, I don't like what this guy's doing. Yeah. Or I don't know if this could turn around and be just a huge troll for Democrats. I don't know. Well, it could be. Um, you know, there's there's rumors going around that. Uh, of course, you're right about him. Um, he has not ruled out the uh, the thought of running for president on the libertarian ticket. And then there's even rumors going around that he may, I, which I don't believe, I, that he'll turn coats and go to the Democrat side. I just don't see Justin Amash doing that. Um, however, there was a reason article. I wanted to kind of give you a brief overview of the uh, the entire topic for our uh, our listeners. There's a reason article that came up here that brought up some good points and then some things that I disagreed with. So let's dive on in here. Um, the article says in a series of tweets this afternoon, this was last week, um, Justin Amash accused President Donald Trump of having engaged in impeachable conduct. The libertarian leaning Michigan congressman blamed his fellow Republican legislators for choosing to defend the president rather than the Constitution in the wake of the special prosecutor Robert Mueller's report. Quote, Mueller's report reveals that President Trump engaged in specific actions in a pattern of behavior that meets the threshold for impeachment. Uh, questionable. Um, Assange or excuse me, Amash tweeted. In fact, Mueller's report identifies multiple examples of conducting satisfying of conduct, satisfying all the elements of obstruction of justice and undoubtedly any person who is not the president of the United States would be indicted on such evidence. That's kind of silly because literally everything that president Trump, when you look at Mueller's like top 10, Things that could maybe possibly be obstruction of justice, but it wasn't even enough for Mueller to even indict him on obstruction of justice. He just was like kind of left it up in there. It was like, uh, I mean, I, I don't even have enough evidence to bring this to court. So you decide, um, William Barr. So and Barr said no obstruction. So that's all questionable stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, first and foremost. As we all know, we've all delved into this extensively. It's just like the whole thing is just a clown car. It's wild. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's wild. And to pick and choose this out of all things just makes me like it's even more suspect. Like why this? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. That's what I was thinking while I was kind of reading about this and, and I was just curious because I, I like Justin Amash. I mean, he stands for good things. I mean, you look at his voting record and historically, I mean, the, I, I, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of the bills that he's stood behind. I mean, in terms of libertarianism, um, I mean, he, he's got, you know, he, he claims that he's Eastern Orthodox Christian is what he claims. And in terms of, you know, most people that claim, you know, Christian and stuff, they have Christian values that they stand behind, you know, marriage and stuff like that. And it seems to me that even though he has those beliefs, he's 
really adamant about, you know, keeping that to be like a personal private thing for marriage and stuff. And he mm-hmm. tries not to have the government really interfere. Uh, so for instance, you know, Reddit has that AMA thing where you could yeah. ask these people stuff. And his response to how do you feel about gay marriage was marriage should be a private religious institution and or contractual government should be no more involved in sanctioning marriage of any sort than it should be involved in sanctioning baptism or communion. So he's pretty much advocating that your beliefs are your beliefs and that government should have a set of things that doesn't interfere with that. So that's pretty libertarian. And he's for legalization of marijuana yeah i mean he's on the he's on the right side of many issues that i feel are important i mean he's been a a a big voice against government spending he's um he's voted against expanding and continuing these regime change wars um and he's been against constitutional overreach i mean he's he's very much through and through what he describes himself as which is a libertarian leaning conservative or you know kind of like a yeah. Libertarian conservative I mean, he, hybrid. Uh, it's very yeah. much what he what he claims he, he is. He's even, yeah, he's even sponsored bills to help veterans. So I mean, he's he's you know, despite it, you know, I think the important thing for any pro- political person is to separate emotional, personal feelings for you know not sacrificing freedoms as a whole just because you don't like something. That's yeah. the hardest. That's the hardest thing to do, especially as a libertarian. There's obviously going to be things like to stay perfectly in the middle of everything. It takes a huge amount of self control on your part to not let personal feelings leak into the liberties and freedoms of others. Yeah. So let's go ahead, and uh, I'm going to read off his series of tweets that he made um, that got this news started. So um, on May 18th, uh, Justin Amash said, here are my principal conclusions. One, Attorney General Bard has deliberately misrepresented Mueller's report. Two, President Trump has engaged in impeachable conduct. Three, partisanship has eroded our system of checks and balances. Four, members of Congress have few members of Congress have read the report. Um, he says, I offer these conclusions only having, av- uh, only having read Mueller's redacted report carefully and completely having read or watched pertinent statements and testimony and having discussed this matter with my staff who thoroughly reviewed materials and provided me with further analysis In comparing Barr's principal conclusions, congressional testimony and other statements to Mueller's report It's clear that Barr intended to mislead the public about the special counsel Robert Mueller's analysis and findings. I don't see where he's where he's getting this. Um, I mean, to say that he's misled the report that General Barr released. I mean, he released the report. I mean, he he gave like a uh, a few page summary, I believe, before he released the full report. But how are you supposed to sum- accurately summarize a four hundred and fifty page report in the first place? I, I, I mean, I, I mean, he's he starts off he starts off good. Okay, the two main things that stand out in the beginning is that yes, bipartisanship is eroding. Yeah, it, it's causing a lot of issues. 
even furthermore than what it should be. I mean, it's essentially you started off with a few loud calls across the aisle at each other, Republicans and Democrats, and then you've started a whole avalanche of other BS that have come from that, right? Exactly. So he, he's, he's not wrong there. And then he goes into the second part, which he was talking about bipartisanship and then um, – That few members of Congress have re- actually read the report. Yes. I mean uh, – Which is totally believable. They don't read yeah, anything. Correct. Correct. I mean, they pass things all the time. They pass these giant right. bills with thousands of pages an hour before they, they get the bills and like an well, hour before the well, voting. Yeah. Remember when Rand Paul actually posted that he read all through it and that he was like, man, I've got like a thousand pages more to read. Right. How often do people have that ambition to actually read the full amount and how easy is it for them to classify themselves as one or the other Republican or Democrat and easily just no matter what stick to that just because they've, you know, said that that's what they are. Exactly. You know I mean? Who did it's the too, bill come from? Easy. Yeah, exactly. Right. It, it all comes down to who's proposing the bill. Is it, a, is it blue or red? And, and we're going to vote down those lines regardless. Okay. Even if, even if they had time to read the bills, which they don't, or, and these documents that they vote on, it, it's even if they had time, they wouldn't read them. Um, yeah, and, and he's 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 been quoted saying that if you're going to vote yes and change the law, you have to know what's in it. You can't depend on other people. And that's 110 percent correct. Right. I mean, you're going to be you throwing in people in prison for these things uh, like you, you at least need to know what's in it. People think take things so lackadaisically. They're just like. You know, it's made by a Republican or it's made by a Democrat. So whatever's in it has to be good for whatever group it is. You know what I mean? And as a politician, that's so irresponsible because you literally are are entrusted to have the vote of the people and the voice of the people to make the correct decisions, not based on any other thing, but actual reading the whole bill and logically sifting through it and realizing, is this a good thing? Yes or no? Right. Yeah, it's all about getting reelected. That's all it is. Um, they, they don't care about what is in these bills. They 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 pass these ridiculous bills without even reading them. It's it's just like you know the god the dang Apple thing, the, the terms and services for Apple. Like, oh yeah, nobody uh, reads that's those like things. Pages. No one's going to read it. They're just going to click. It can literally say in there that when you have your firstborn child, it will be become property of Apple, and you're <laughs> going know. to sit there and yeah. click that. It, and it's the same way with our politicians. It's, there's going to be no one reading it. They literally get it across their desk, and they have this cool little handy stamp that they've made up with their name on it that looks like their signature, and they just dip it in ink, and they hit that on there, and they say, yep, has to be good. Yeah. Justin Amash continues. He says, under our Constitution, the president, quote, shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery and other high crimes and misdemeanors. While, quote, high crimes and misdemeanors is not defined, the context implies conduct that violates the public trust. Contrary to Barr's portrayal, Mueller's report reveals that President Trump engaged in specific actions and patterns of behavior that meet the threshold for impeachment. 
In fact, Mueller's report identifies multiple examples of conduct satisfying all the elements of obstruction of justice, and undoubtedly any person who is not the president of the United States would be indicted on such evidence. So this is this is where it starts to get squirrely for me, um, because violating the public's trust, I, I mean, essentially, from my understanding, you can kind of if you have the majority control in the house and the Senate, you can pretty much impeach a president on anything. I, I, I haven't really even thought about this topic until I started reading about this, but I don't even know where the limitations are on this high crimes right. and misdemeanors. If it, and it's been from my research, I mean, violating the public trust seems to be the accurate portrayal of how this is defined in the context I, I would assume that, you know, obviously I haven't read, been able to read the read the unredacted version, right? We only get access to the stuff that's blacked out extensively. But yeah. at the same time, it's like if there was really so, so like something so damning. Robert Mueller would have indicted Trump. Yeah. I yeah. mean, a lot of people, a lot of people would have been able to read that and, and look at Pelosi and Schumer, they're like the most hated people against Trump. They hate the guy so much. You would think that if they could pull anything from that and they could actually let it stand in a court of law that they 100% broke the law, they would 100% be able to do it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the thing is, is what thing, what doesn't make sense is don't you think if, if – Robert Mueller had enough to actually the reason why he didn't indict Trump with obstruction of justice is because he didn't have enough to go on. And he knew that he did not have enough to actually prove in the court of law that Trump obstructed justice. And what I assume Justin Amash is going on here is the uh, I mean, in the Mueller report, he outlines that um, in the Mueller report, if you read it, it outlines that Trump actually asked the question. Um, or actually said, I want to fire Mueller. And then his lawyer said that that would be a very bad idea and it didn't happen. Um, and then you actually see like Trump saying that this whole investigation, which is a witch hunt, which it is like the whole thing was built. This is the thing here. This is what frustrates me about this with Justin Amash and him being a libertarian conservative or a libertarian leaning conservative. This is the thing. The government launched an investigation on false information and lies and investigated somebody for a crime which he did not commit. And during that investigation for a crime he did not commit, he was going around figuring out how he could stop this investigation of a crime that he did not commit. How could he slow it down? Um, he was investigating options. He never acted on these, but he actually, he openly talked about how this could be slowed down. Uh, he talked about firing Mueller. Like I said, he talked about how the investigation was a witch hunt and it was all just trying to bring him down, which it was. And this is the thing, like, they, are you saying that the government can actually launch a, an investigation on false pretenses against somebody and they can't even fight back against it? I'm just, to be honest, I'm tired of, you know, pro-Trump or against Trump, whatever. The, the, the fact remains that 
if there's something that someone did that there's proof of them doing something that was actually intentionally wrong, I don't care who you are, then you have to go about it based on the court of laws that we have. And if there was actually something substantial that could be utilized, then it should have been utilized and you should have got the guy out. Like, stop wasting taxpayer money on investigations that don't pan out anything. It's frustrating. It, it is it's frustrating. Got, it's, it's gotten to the point in in everyday life. Look at Julia Assange. I mean, you've literally have made up whatever you can because you don't like what someone has to say or what they stand for. That's exactly that's right. Not how, that's not how freedom works. Yeah. You have, and, and you just, have freedom of yeah. You have freedom until you actually break a actual standing long time law, and not making laws up to make sure that it fits your agenda to be able to do it. And that goes for anybody. Yeah, that goes for anybody. And the thing is, is like even if this if this in fact is the law, that obstruction of justice can be. Indi- like that can be a criminal charge of obstruction of justice for calling an invest a false investigation based on false pretenses for a crime of which you did not commit and you fight back against that investigation that that is a crime I, I don't know yeah. man I mean if that's the law that's that's just like any other bad law that the government has on the books I mean you look at um, bad laws now. I mean, like stop and frisk. Like they they stopped that, or I believe they stopped that in New York. I, I can't remember when they uh, when they got rid of that, but that was a terrible law. But it was the law. They didn't mean it was right. But I mean, that was I the mean, law. The the thing think that of marijuana right off. now. Yeah. And the thing that pisses me off is people are so emotionally charged these days. That that's anything and everything that they go off of. It it comes down to just strictly what are my feelings on this and not on what logically and thoroughly is the law about this and the inalienable rights that we have that comes from our constitution that says that we have these freedoms. You know what I mean? Like it really pisses me off that everyone is so politically and emotionally charged and no one is stopping to think of the implications that it has on our freedoms. Right. And just for those that are have either forgot or are unfamiliar with what all the resources and time and effort that was poured into this investigation that led to Robert Mueller saying he could not say there was there was definitely no collusion. He said that he left up obstruction of justice to Attorney General Barr. But the resources and the time that went into this, just to give you a outline, it was the longest investigation of a sitting president in U.S. history. The investigation compromised of $30 million of taxpayer funding, 40 FBI agents, 2,800 subpoenas, 500 search warrants, 500 witnesses, and 230 communication records. And they found absolutely nothing on collusion. And he didn't even find enough to say that Trump absolutely obstructed justice on this. And the thing that pisses me off is you have Hillary Clinton that has trail of bodies and such behind her, and there's not <laughs> even a thorough investigation on that. So it, it could just be that our our actual 
justice system and FBI system and all this stuff. It's just trash. Yeah, those are just uh, suicides, there's so Justin. Many, there's so many people that have done so much terrible crap in the political world, and they just want to go after the people that they don't like. Yeah. They will use whatever resource that they need to shut you down. Social media, hire up people, money, whatever. It, it all goes back to you know what they're going to gain out of it. Yeah, there was a uh, there was another tweet that Justin Amash had. Let me see if I can dig it up here. Um, that, chicken strip? <laughs> that he he was talking about. Um, here we go. I think this is it. He said impeachment, which is a special form of indictment, does not even require probable cause that a crime has been committed. It simply requires a finding that an official has engaged in careless, abusive, corrupt, or otherwise dishonorable conduct. Um, while impeachment should be undertaking undertaken in only in extraordinary circumstances the risk we face in an environment of extreme partisanship is not that congress will employ it as a remedy too often but rather that congress will employ it so rarely that it cannot deter misconduct now that's the that's the the tweet that i thought was interesting because i think he has a fair point again i'll let me read it again so to, that you have the context while impeachment should only be undertaken in extraordinary circumstances the risk we face in an environment of extreme partisanship is not that Congress will employ it as a remedy too often, but, ra- but rather that Congress will employ it so rarely that it cannot deter misconduct. I think he's got a decent point there. But the, the thing that gets me is why is Justin Amash choosing this as the platform to say that Trump needs to be impeached on? Because this whole thing is BS. I don't know why he's drawing all of these conclusions from the Mueller report. But I mean, if you were to if you were to lay a platform to impeach Donald Trump, I mean, there are far more things that hold more water than the Mueller report. I mean, you could go after Donald Trump for for supporting the Saudis in their war against Yemen. I mean, you could I mean, right now we're still funding Al Qaeda in Syria to fight against the Syria, the Syrian civil war. I mean, if that's not uh, that's, an impeachable offense, I don't know what is. You're arming the enemy. I mean, Obama did that as well. It's just carrying on throughout the Trump administration. But why Why the Mueller report? I don't know. And that's that's what leads you to wonder, you know, what is he getting out of this? You know, he, he brings up good points. And then it's all kind of slowly diminished because he brings up the Mueller report. Like it's yeah. got such substantial items in it that. You know, that's what you can go off. But, yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I think, you know, to lead into our next thing, I think that the yeah. thing that you got to focus on is that political correctness and this emotionally charged politics and stuff is the reason why you have Trump in office. People were so sure of themselves that this PC environment was so good for the the majority of individuals. It's it's just backfiring everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it is. um it is pretty interesting. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I was thinking about this. Could it be a publicity stunt for Amash? I mean, you'd have to be foolish to think that 
getting his name out there to the public doesn't play a role in something like this. I mean, like you said yeah, before, I mean, is it is it something that builds his name and gets his name out there for a potential presidential bid? But I don't I mean, of course, I, th- I think that might be the case. But I mean, even I, if he I, does run for president the, for on the libertarian ticket, what's he going to get? Four percent? Like, I, I, I mean, don't know what, what he has to gain from that's this. That's the thing. And that's what sucks about it is you have to run Democrat or Republican in order to be elected. Like, that's what sucks about it. Like, politics was made to have the majority vote on the people that were the best for them, not because they were a D or an R. The you know what I mean? Options. And that's, yeah. Yeah. And that's what really pisses me off. It's just like he has a lot of libertarian viewpoints, but he would still run as a conservative. Yeah. Uh, well, this kind of leads in a little bit since we're talking about elections into our next topic here. I wanted to kind of cover it because I don't know if the listeners had seen the story. This was a pretty amazing story. Um, so Ukraine about a month back got a new president and it happened to be a gentleman named Vladimir or Vladimir Zelensky. And uh, so if you don't know, if you haven't heard of this story and don't know who Vladimir Zelensky is, let me give you a little bit of a uh, highlight of who exactly he is. Mr. Zelensky starred in the long-running satirical drama called Servant of the People, in which his TV character accidentally becomes Ukraine's president. Uh, he plays a <laughs> he plays a teacher who is elected after his expletive laden rant about corruption goes viral on social media, and then he runs under a political party with the same name as as uh, as his show, and uh, he actually runs against the incumbent. Um, let me see, I can't remember the guy's name, Polshelsky or something like that, um, and then he actually wins the presidency of Ukraine. Um, and this was an absolutely unbelievable story. I mean, just looking at it on his face, you know, you see the title, it's just like Ukrainian comedian president wins election or Ukrainian, uh, comedian, uh, comedian, I don't know. What do you, what would you call it? Like a uh, candidate comedian candidate yeah. <laughs> wins election. And you actually look at the numbers and the guy got 73% of the vote. The election was not even close. It was a landslide. Even even crazier is right when he got in, he dissolved parliament. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. So ABC News, this is a, a new topic that I wanted to, uh, to cover as soon as I saw this headline. ABC News, it says, Comedian Vladimir Zelensky, sworn in as Ukraine's president, vows to dissolve par- parliament. <laughs> so it goes on. Vladimir Zelensky, the 41-year-old TV comedian, comedian who won Ukraine's election last month, has sworn in as president on Monday and immediately says he was dissolving the country's parliament to hold early elections. At the inauguration ceremony held in the parliament's building in Kiev, Zelensky pledged to seek an end to the war with Russia in Ukraine's east in Ukraine's east and told lawmakers he wanted to pass legislation to root out uh, corruption. Zelensky won a landslide election in late April with 73% of the vote, defeating the incumbent president Petro Poroshenko as he rode a wave of popular dissatisfaction with Ukraine's political class and weariness over five years of war. 
He ran on a platform promising to shake up Ukraine's politics, which most Ukrainians consider deeply corrupt and self-serving. And this was another interesting thing is when I looked up the um, the numbers on this, Ukraine actually held the lowest um, public trust in their government in the world. It polled at 9%. They had a 9% confidence in their uh, in their government at the time of the election. I mean, it's time for people everywhere to take back their damn country, man. Yeah. You're seeing it everywhere. Once again, that's why Trump is in power right now. He's the president of the United States because people were tired of the cookie cutter people. And, you know, granted, I don't like everything that Trump does. But at the same time, you know, at least for the most part, he's kept most of his promises for what he's going to do. I mean, and, and to me... You know, that says something, whether he's going in the right direction still or whatever, you know, it is what it is. But at the same time, people have to take their crap back, man. Sure. Well, I think that I think that you're right on like most people that vote. I would assume that most people that voted for Donald Trump. I mean, look, you had to look at the options they had. Okay, they had Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. Okay, most people, I would assume that voted for Donald Trump, voted for him because they saw him as a bull in a china shop. They were like, look, this whole thing, this whole thing is corrupt. And this guy, I feel like he could just take a hammer to the whole thing. Right. And And I mean, and and honestly, you know, with that type of reasoning, do you think that he did do that? Because, I mean, look at the backlash that he received being president for. I mean, this is. He's been the most talked about person for the last three years. <laughs> well, I think to a, a to a certain degree he has been. Um, I mean, he certainly look. I mean, this guy has absolutely um, shined a light on the, what the media actually is. You know, a lot of people um, had look. Some people had uh, the idea that the media was uh, a giant uh, liberal, uh, controlled think tank. And, and some people would call you a conspiracy theorist. And that what isn't actually true. Look what has happened in the Trump presidency where he has just shined a light on the media and exposed them for what they are. Now there's definitely been things that I wish that Trump actually followed through on his promises of where, and I, 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 I think there's still and time I, for agree. him to, for him to, um, I mean, first things first, uh, and I've said this in many different episodes, he's got to get rid of John Bolton and Mike Pompeo before they start another war. And um, that could certainly happen here soon. But I think he's got enough. He's got time. Time is running out right now to back off of that. But he needs to get out of foreign interventions and he needs to stop spending so much damn money. (laughs) He needs to cut spending. Um, He needs to stop infringing on first amendment rights too and second amendment this is the thing this is a wild fact but trump has passed more gun control regular restrictions than obama did that's a yeah. weird thing to hear and to see on paper but it's actually true um but look i, I mean horse crap yeah, but going back to this Ukraine thing, this is a uh, what you're saying is right. You see it all over the world where people are kind of getting wise to these 
um, all controlling governments. And, and I think the internet has a lot to play with that because people have access to more information than they've ever had before. Um, they can actually see, um, they have more access to video and to, to interviews and to actually see, to pull the curtain up and to see what's behind there. Um, people are getting wiser to their governments, but I think this Zelensky winning a 73% vote against this Poroshenko, um, I was actually doing some research into this um, Petro Poroshenko and the people who actually put him into power and kind of gave him the, uh, the ability to rise to the power of president in Ukraine. Guess who was kind of leading that charge? John McCain. <laughs> so John McCain in the U S was actually his biggest ally and biggest kind of funder to get into the presidential um, seat in Ukraine. And a lot of it, obviously, if you just look at it is to have influence over Ukraine because Ukraine sits right up against Russia and they want to have influence on the of border course. of Russia. Of course. So uh, Zelensky, this is a, this is a thing here. Um, let me see here. He says, I don't understand our government, which only throws up its hands and tells me that we can't do anything. That's not true. You can. You can take up some paper, take a pen, and free up your places for those who will think about the next generation and not about the next election. He told lawmakers before announcing he was dissolving parliament. So he just basically said, you can't sit here and tell me that you can't do anything. You can just take a hike take up your seat and give it to somebody who will do something. Yeah. And for anyone, if they don't know what is entailed with dissolving parliament, like the basic way that you can explain it is you pretty much just kind of cut the government out on certain votes for important bills on budget. Right. Stuff like that. You know, and that's really what should be happening everywhere. I mean, the people that live in a certain country, they should have their overall say, you know what I mean? That, that's how it should be. I mean, these people mm-hmm. are essentially put in power politically to be your voice and to make wise decisions. I mean, that's why they were essentially voted into the power that they have and people are swapping it and they're making being a politician, this full time job to add people's pockets to make ridiculous yeah. rules to help other people. I mean, I mean, it's, and so this right it's here, all cronyism, this, yeah, yeah, this, this comedian doing this, I mean, it kind of sends a message like, Hey, we're tired of this. And it for does. Them to, for him to have a 73% vote, <laughs> that just, that speaks a lot that, that people are legitimately getting tired of it. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, there's so much, you know, people on either side of the aisle over in United, like here now, you know, that are just picking and choosing sides. It's almost like it's going to start another civil war between people because they're, you know, our media and everybody in power right now is causing huge conflicts. Yeah. Uh, In his speech, he told officials that he did not want them to hang portraits of him in their offices because quote, a president isn't an idol, he said. Instead, he told him to hang photos of their children and to look at them before making decisions. He quoted uh-huh. Ronald he quoted Ronald Reagan, who he noted was an actor who became an awesome president, quote, 
Um, Zelensky said government isn't the solution to our problem. It is the problem. So I don't know much about this guy. I don't know what, what policies he holds, but I, I mean, love him right now. I, I, I thought the same thing. Like on the surface level, I like what I hear. Um, I, I, again, I don't know like what, because he didn't really run a campaign. I was doing some research. He didn't really run a campaign on policy issues. He ran a campaign on shaking things up very similar to kind of what Trump had. I mean, he didn't have a bunch of concrete policies. He obviously did the immigration thing and to get out I mean, of the wars. I mean, obviously it works, you know? It does. And I mean, when you get to a point, like what you said earlier, Justin, was so right. When you get to a point where the public is so fed up with the status quo and getting screwed over by these elites, this is what happens. You get a guy who actually stands up to it, and he wins a landslide I, election with a 73% vote. I, I mean... I mean, people, California is a prime example, right? It's been a liberal state for years now, okay? They have taxed their people for so much crap. You're starting to see a rise in individuals that are like, wait a minute. Okay, this is getting too much. You know what I mean? (laughs) And, and And it's, you're legitimately taking in wearing down these people's patience for you doing things. I I mean, you start, and that's why the government is pissing so many people off is they've put their hands and tendrils and every little facet of people life from how we get water to how we get food to what we drive, how we're going to do things, everything, right? Everything that you deal with on a daily basis has a tax attached to it, right? That is not, at all anywhere close to what was intended for this nation or really any other nations that out there that wanted to have freedoms and certain things that they thought were valued within their own country. You know what I mean? And it's just, you're starting to see there's going to be some kind of civil unrest and you know, whatever it is. Boy, you could not be more right. I mean, that that's absolutely the case. The government, and that's that's what's actually leading the charge on this. um, And I've said this before. This is what's actually leading the charge when uh, with this civil or the civil discourse between the right and the left. Or it's not very civil, um, but it's it's very violent discourse between the right and the left because the federal government has too much power, and the one side wants to have that power and to live the way that they want to live. And the other side wants to have that power to live the way that they want to live. And the only way to do that is to press the thumb on the other side. And the federal government is that iron fist thumb. And here's, and here's the thing. Okay. So this leads us into our third topic, which we kind of mentioned him earlier is Julian Assange, you know, the Australian, you know, he has WikiLeaks. He is just like Edward Snowden. And, and the fact that, he is keeping government honest by displaying war crimes, human rights abuses, corruption, ill intentions by politicians. And look what they're doing to him. They're silencing him with bullcrap stuff because they're like, hey, this dude is showing the dark side of what we really are. Yeah. They've got to silence him. Same thing they did with Edward Snowden. Yeah. And why does, how does that not? absolutely just scare the crap out of people. No, it is. It is a scary story. And and for those that aren't aware yesterday, just yesterday, there were new updates to really what I see is one of the most important stories um, currently unfolding. Um, The United States government has now charged Julian Assange with a new 17 count indictment for violating the Espionage Act. 
And uh, CBS News has a little bit of a outline here that I want to play for you. So let me let me play this for you here so you can kind of get that. U.S. officials charged WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange with violating the Espionage Act on Thursday. The additional 17 count indictment alleges Assange and WikiLeaks have repeatedly sought, obtained and disseminated information that the United States classified due to the serious risk. These new charges raise the stakes for First Amendment rights and prompts questions about protections for those who publish classified information. Assange is currently in British custody after leaving the Ecuadorian embassy in London. He is fighting extradition charges to the United States. He was originally charged with conspiracy to penetrate a military computer with the help of former U.S. Army intelligence officer Chelsea Manning. WikiLeaks responded to the indictment, tweeting, This is madness. It is the end of national security journalism and the First Amendment. U.S. So uh, <laughs> what I thought was interesting about that video, just a little snippet, they said af- uh, he's in British custody after leaving the Ecuadorian embassy. Uh, no, that dude was drug out, kicking and screaming from the Ecuadorian embassy. Yep. And all, you know, here's the thing. When, when you're entrusted to keep certain secrets and stuff, like say you have a clearance or whatever, there's certain things that you can't talk about. But what line is it that we have to say at what point, you know, like for Edward Snowden and for his example, he was an employee of the United States, right? He was trusted with things that he should never divulge. But at the same time, how as a human being, if you know that the government is doing something so damning to other citizens, I mean – wouldn't that be the greater good to come out and, and actually say, hey, look, this is what they're doing to you? Yeah. You know what I mean? No, it, y- and that's, you're right. That's, yeah. that's, that's the sad part. Like Julian Assange did nothing other than report he published, things. He, yeah, he published information that was given to him. He is He is legitimately the international reporter that literally is giving you actual real-life stuff that's not – it's it's literally in the middle of everything. It's not skewed to anything. It's just facts. Right. Yeah. It's just all this dude is doing. And if you aren't familiar with, um, if you're listening to this and you aren't familiar with who Julian Assange is, or if you're confused about why all of this is happening, I encourage you to go back and listen to episode 14, where I cover in detail who exactly Julian Assange is, um, what WikiLeaks is and why the federal uh, government is foaming at the mouth to get this man. But these new charges here are loud and are, they're a loud and clear message that the deep state and the Trump administration are on the same page with wanting to bury this guy um, for exposing what he did. Again, to give you a brief outline, he exposed war crimes during the Iraq war where this Apache and he released video footage that Chelsea Manning gave to him of this Apache helicopter gunning down to um, what turned out to be a, a, a woman, a child, two, two journalists and a couple of random civilians um, that they later on. The, the story was they said that they were armed. But if you look at the video footage, I mean, it's just a blatant just hor- It's a war crime is what it is. It's a war crime uh, that he exposed to the public. You know, to to leave everybody on something to think about, like we like to joke and 
make light of certain situations and poke fun and stuff like and we like to deliver stuff and make people think but really in all reality for for instances like with Julian Assange you know that should terrify people that the government has enough power to ruin anybody's life just because they don't like what they're saying yeah and if if you're going to start you know for instance if you're going to start trying to take second amendment and changing it and doing what you're then what's keeping people from altering any other part of the Constitution? What's pe- what's going to keep people from altering the First Amendment? You know what I mean? What's, what's going to – like people don't understand that once you start meddling in changing something, it just goes downhill fast. Well, it's a slippery slope. And I mean you're, they're, me- yeah. they're, they're messing with the most fundamental of all rights, which is the – um, the right of free speech and Edward Snowden actually posted uh, on Twitter about this. When this news came out, he said the department of justice just declared war, not on WikiLeaks, but on journalism itself. There is no longer, this is no longer about Julian Assange. This case will decide the future of media itself. Yep. 100%. Um, Glenn, Glenn Greenwald also posted on this. He said, all those who spent the last two plus years proclaiming to be so very concerned about attacks on the free press will now have to decide whether they really meant it or whether due to feelings about Assange, they will cheer Trump, the Trump administration's full assault on freedom of the press. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Like that, if it's anything, you know, you know, especially for Americans here, like we put people in power. And what I want to highlight is we, as in everybody in the United States. I mean, everyone has to have a say. That's the whole way, you know, we work and, and we do things. And it's getting to the point where you have the 1% of people in charge. And I'm not even talking about the 1% of people with the most money. I'm just talking about the the, the few privileged individuals. Yeah. yeah the few privileged individuals that are deciding what we can and can't do. I mean, essentially taking the power that we were given to make our decisions for the good of the people, you know, people need to start wisening up and stop playing the, he said, she said, or you're red and I'm blue game. Like it, it really comes down to like, what freedoms are you giving up in order to think that you're gaining other things? You know what I mean? And and I challenge people that when you look at stuff, stuff, stop looking at it through emotional glasses. Start looking at it through like logic, like, hey, yeah. I, for instance, if you don't like guns and you don't think that they're necessary, I'm sorry. But at the same time, you start changing things to the Second Amendment and then – where does that go from there? Well, the, you know the problem mean? with that is, yeah, you're absolutely right, Justin. So the problem with that is, is that you have this subset of people thinking that individual rights come from the government. And that's not the case. Your individual rights come from you as a, at birth, as you were created, you were endowed with these, rights. with these rights. The government did not bestow you these rights. These are fundamental rights that you have as a human being. No government can take those away and no government can give you additional rights. That's the thing where people think that the government is God and can bestow these rights and take them away depending on what political aisle you are on. 
Um, it's absolutely ridiculous because you see this obviously with the gun debate, but this right here is a fundamental battle for, uh, uh, freedom of speech. And right now, freedom of the press, this is another little tweet that they put out. Uh, freedom of the press said, put simply, these unprecedented charges against Julian Assange and WikiLeaks are the most significant and terrifying threat to the First Amendment in the 21st century. The Trump administration is moving to explicitly criminalize national security journalism. And if this prosecution proceeds, dozens of reporters at the New York Times, the Washington Post, and any and everywhere else would also be in danger. The ability of the press to publish facts the government would prefer to remain secret is both critical and to the informed, <clears throat> excuse me, is both critical to an informed public and a fundamental right. This decision by the Justice Department is a massive and unprecedented escalation in Trump's war on journalism and is no exaggeration to say the First Amendment itself is at risk. Anyone who cares about freedom of the press should immediately and wholeheartedly condemn these charges. You know, yep. Uh, and the last the last thing I'm going to say before I wrap this up is the fact that what what is going on behind the scenes that calls for all of this for this one man that literally all he did was bring things to the light. What kind of shadow government type crap is going on that they don't want you to know about? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I was thinking about that today when I was prepping for the show and it's just like, you know, it's the Trump administration, but I, I was thinking about it today. It's just like, this isn't just the Trump administration. This is the deep state going after this guy. They're not even hiding and anymore. This is no. like in plain sight. Like yeah. This is right in front of you. Like there's no wizard behind the curtain here. This exactly. Is, it's very, it's a very sight. blatant. Yeah. Very blatant. I mean, what they said in this tweet is exactly right. It's a war that they're uh, ensuing against this guy. What they're wanting to do with Assange. And it's very obvious what they're wanting to do with him is they're wanting to make him an example. This is what yeah. happens when you expose these truths and when you fight against the almighty God, the federal government. And they're so brazen that they're doing it right in front of you because they're betting that you're so stupid that you're not going to know it. Yeah, that or that you'll that you're so dumb that you'll just take it face value that this guy, since they're going after him, he must be a bad guy. Yep. Oh, my goodness. What a uh, crazy <laughs> world we live in. But Justin, man, I yep. am so happy to have you back. I want you to be on more episodes as we move forward, especially since you got some more free time on your hands. But thank you again for coming on, buddy. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. This was a you lot of take fun. Take it easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, be sure to like us on Facebook. Uh, share us with your friends. If you have any topics that you want us to cover, uh, or if you'd like to come on the show, feel free to uh, go on Facebook, message uh, the Freedom Strips uh, account. I'll be sure to to answer um, and get back with you. I'd love to have on um, different people on the show, hear different voices, um, get your opinions out there, and we can just sit back and have a laid back conversation. But be sure to go on Facebook, like us, um, share us with your friends. Go, We are located on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Re- like us, review us. Do all the things on social media, all the things. But uh, thanks again for listening and joining us, and we'll see you on the next episode of Freedom Strips. <laughs>